Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to the Examination Podcast. This is season four, episode four, and we got Tennis Swords back this week. We're jumping right into the other world to review this week's comics. Uh, I think we got a great episode for you this week. We're going to cover Hellions number five, New Mutants 13, and Cable number five. Uh, this week, I'm joined by the one and only Dane Rainier. I'm back, baby. And his sparring partner, none other than Kelsey Struts. Uh, is it a sparring partner when they're basically an infant and I am the juggernaut? Before we get into this week's issues, let's talk a little bit about what's new in the world of Marvel. So we've got um, Marvel's MODOK TV show. Not a lot of uh, news this week. Uh, we kept, we're going to keep it short. That was this a MODOK joke. It was a struggle. So um, <laughs> Patton Oswalt is launching a MODOK show. Adult. Looks like it's going to be an adult uh, MODOK show. Looks like it's going to be uh, animated in a way similar to like the Robot Chicken sketch show. And it looks like it's going to be on Hulu. So... Uh, what do you guys think? You're going to be checking in the Marvel's Modoc? Um, yeah, I'm going to, um, several reasons. One, I like the robot chicken style stuff. I like that it's an adult animated show. And this may be the only way you can really get away with doing Modoc. Cause I've secretly wanted him to show up in the MCU as a serious villain. But I feel like if you don't do Modoc as the floating baby thing, it, it just, it just, it'll mean nothing to me. And I don't think anyone will, anyone else will actually take it seriously in the mainstream world. Dane, do you plan on checking it out? I mean, you're playing the Avengers game where they do a pretty serious interpretation of Odok. I'm 100% in to see this. I, I, I've gotten away from watching stuff like Robot Chicken. Just, I think I've gotten older and it hasn't appealed as much, but I can't imagine anybody better to handle this than like Patton Oswalt because he's extremely funny and he's clearly an enormous fan of the Marvel series to, you know, to dig deep enough that this isn't like, oh, you know, just taking the the top of the list bad guy or something like he he wants MODOK, like super adaptoid shows up in this show. Like they're digging in the toy chest to find stuff nobody else is going to play with. And I've seen a couple clips of it. It looks really funny. The cast is great. Other than Patton Oswalt, there's uh, Ben Schwartz, you know, who's like John Ralphio from um, Parks and Rec. Um, yeah. Melissa Fumero from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's just, it looks like a really great cast. And the clips I've, I've seen of it, I mean, look really enjoyable. I think it's going to be a fun, you know, 20-minute uh, just session to sit down and laugh. Yeah, it's almost like the skill and the fun of the animation combined with the cast. Like, it's going to be a good show, and it happens to be MODOK. Yeah. Almost. Uh, but I think I think it, that's, from what it looks like, the show obviously doesn't take itself too seriously. That Part of the enjoyment of it is the goofiness of focusing on, you know, MODOK a- after hours. Well, and if I may, think about it like... like <laughs> Think about it like Venture Brothers in that regard when when the monarch shows up and you know it's you know the the, the business of being a villain basically. Yeah. And yeah. just like you know, the you know the the, the world's not gonna conquer itself and all that kind of stuff that they have to do. Yeah. Um it looks fantastic, looks fun. Uh I'm excited for that one. Now, Dane, you and I both bought the Avengers game. 
And why have you not played it very much? You know, it, it's kind of had a hard time maintaining the number of active players. But for you, I think your reason for not playing has been a little different. Uh, I mean, partially it's just the time and having kids and everything tearing my attention in different directions. But really, I got the game excited for the first DLC that's coming out, uh, which is the Oh, Hawkeye. you didn't want to say specifically why you can't play it during daylight hours? Oh, 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 yeah. I guess I haven't talked about that. Uh, my toddler daughter is terrified of the Hulk. He screamed once while, like, you know, the big Hulk roar. And, and she's like, Daddy, turn it off. Turn it, like, she hid behind the TV. And she's like, we turn it off now, Daddy? And I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to keep that on and terrify her. But so, and the problem is he's like the first hero that you interact yeah, with. Yeah, the first actual, like, Avengers core member. So he's there the whole game. As right. the first one to show up. And so it's like the only time I can play it if I if I can get the time is after hours and everyone's gone to bed. And by that point, I don't know, there's just other stuff I'm watching and, and playing and that kind of stuff. So but the new DLC, Hawkeye, specifically with Kate Bishop in it, I'm I mean, that's basically what got me to buy this game. So Yeah. My my kids absolutely love the Hulk. I think to, to the point of making the screams and stuff, you just shock her too young, expose her to the roar too early. Uh, well, see, because you have your youngest is this the age of my oldest. So you may have That's had, like, may have had like, uh, an older one to sort of usher him in, in a way. Or maybe my kid is just weak and terrified. Who knows? But uh, I'm going with weak and terrified. I think I've I've tried working on it with her because she calls. I think I've mentioned this before. She calls uh, Kamala Khan big hands, so she likes Miss Marvel. <laughs> and I keep telling her, I go, "That's big the Hulk." Hands. I go, "That's the Hulk." That's Big Hand's friend. Big Hand's friend. He's going to help, and so we're working that way, but we're just not quite there yet. Yeah, maybe and you of course, tell her that big, big Hand's friend Hulk just not does not have a very good inside voice. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to figure out who Modok is, um, Avengers core villain is Modok, and I'll say it's kind of like a decent, okay single player game. And from what I've heard, if you want the multiplayer, it's it's not great. Um, when it gets cheaper, I would highly recommend picking up Avengers if it's if it's cheap enough. It's at least a passable single player game. Um, let's go ahead and talk comics. Sound good, you guys? Let's get it. All right, so this week we have three issues to talk about. We have Hellions number five, New Mutants number 13, and Cable number five. Uh, let's go ahead. I actually forget the order. Hellions Is it, uh, first. Hellions first. Yeah, let's do it in sequential order. All right. Uh, Hellions. Hellions opens up in... Uh, the uh, egg pods with Empath finally coming back to life and showing that he is just a prick. Um, basically asking for what, uh, his memory back and cursing at everyone and wondering why he's not getting the same treatment. And everyone kind of just is like, screw this, and walks off and leaves him how he is. Uh they decide with the open council on ways that they are going to handle this Ten of Swords battle, basically, looking for other ways to maybe game the system. Actually, kind of 
one of the more honest ways of running a country is doing things dishonestly. And they decided to use the Hellions to do it. And, you know, more more than what you'd use X-Force for, you'd use Hellions because they are basically an expendable team. Um, Mr. Sinister floats that idea out to everyone. And he, he gets enough votes to pass it and is very surprised when Exodus floats the idea for that he should lead the team. Not he, Exodus, but Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister is shocked, uh, but the votes sway him and he is forced to lead the team into Otherworld. Uh, going into Otherworld, they encounter Mr. Well, King Braddock and use him to get their way basically into Avalon proper. They are attempting to sneak underneath Saturnine's, uh, what's that, the, the silver, or what's that tower called? What's her tower Citadel. called? Citadel. Is it just a Citadel? Okay. Um, but they're to sneak under the Citadel and get to Araco. Um some quirky things go through. You don't know if it's Mr. Sinister or a clone he has recently thawed. Uh, he had to trade his cape to uh, to Braddock just as a gift because Jamie gave them a stolen horse. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, it was a bit of a comical issue. Yeah, I, I actually dug it. I thought it was really fun. Um, Exodus has a big week, maybe <laughs> one of the bigger weeks that he's ever had. Uh, Dane, I think you're a big fan of this issue too. I, yeah, I can't remember an issue I liked as much as this one. And I know I've been maybe the least up on Hellions. I've never thought it was bad, but just maybe that it wasn't my book. This, if this is what Hellions is, then my mind is completely changed. This as a standalone issue, fan fantastic the dialogue is grade a it fits into the ten of swords storyline but it's distinctly a hellions book and it just balances all the comedy that kelsey mentioned from the very beginning of empath you know being brought back and like being so annoying that he's you know that he gets on xavier's nerves who's normally sort of like the you know the peaceful pacifist sort of guy um yeah sinister and the cape and the clone and that he you know to find out if it's going to be the real sinister or the clone that goes on the mission they do rock paper scissors uh, <laughs> that there's and there's just this whole dynamic and we still don't know no yeah you have no <laughs> idea which one it is and like and the, like that's funny enough as it is but the joke is like what does he say what's the line that the gentlemanly way or whatever and the clone's like yeah. Yeah, best yeah, two yeah, out of three. and he's like i said the gentleman's way like, uh, they- it you know, reminded me of you ever play the, the like like a D and D game where you have just there's no way this team should work together very well and here they are setting out on this adventure and it's just yeah. like I gotta well, see I gotta, what happens. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually had vibes of Game of Thrones season one. There's like uh, Tyrion Lannister vibes from Sinister, where it's like even his own people don't really like him. And he's the smartest person in the room, but his mouth gets him in trouble. It just reminded me of the one where he's on the road after he got like arrested by Catelyn yes, uh, yeah. Stark. I yeah. just got vibes of that kind of, and I like the journey uh, like element of this one. It feels like they're just on a trip and nothing it, happened, but in the best way possible. Well, and, and it makes me excited too because they've been 
putting all those memos of of the different lands in in Otherworld through it, so we might get to see more of those, and they all sound just awful. Now, Dane, are you ready to talk about the thing I brought up earlier that uh, might be the the mean thing, the the criticisms that this brought to mind? Yeah. Do you, do you want to say it, or do you want me to get into it? So, so I'll go ahead and say it. I'll let you respond to it. So we were talking earlier, and I brought up that I'm more excited about Otherworld than I've ever been. I'm like, I want to read a comic where it's just fun X-Men characters going through on Otherworld. And then I realized I'm describing the worst book that Dawn of X has out right now. Excalibur? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for but saying out right now. As but to not but they didn't um, journey through Otherworld proper. Like, they never... They just show up. Big they had Brick, like... The whole first arc is like like Braddock, pretty Braddock-centric. I'm just saying, though, that this Hellions cast, I had more fun with them going through Otherworld than oh, I did a comic where you had Apocalypse, Gambit, Jubilee, Rogue, Richter. Like, like these aren't small fries. Like, they've had this awesome cast, and I feel like I'm instantly way more in the Otherworld from one issue of Hellions. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's... it's part of it is the dialogue, just the way the dialogue is written. And so I think that's a, a credit to the writers. The art and sinister is killing it. Yes. And that's it's specifically sinister. There's a lot of great parts generally. Like I think everybody gets moments, but sinister is clearly the star of this issue. Well, yeah, but, or, Orphan maker, just, just the childlike thing of them having to explain right. why I'm this back, like how he's well, back. Well, but that's that's the other thing about this issue is that we've talked we've been talking it up and you know having our laughs about how entertaining it was and comical, but it's balanced by some stuff that's pretty heavy that you know because it's not just a joke issue like this is a team that is basically going on a suicide mission. Yeah, they're the, the ex. World. This Hellions is. I feel like Fallen Angels was supposed to be and failed in a lot of ways, but Hellions is the Suicide Squad. They're the dirty dozen. Of well, the X Men, yeah, and that's what I mean. It's the Suicide Squad of of Marvel because the the Fallen Angels felt like a DC movie where it's just grim, dark. You know what I mean? And nothing can be laughs or. And this has the comedy, but it's still like everybody's going into this. I kind of feel like with the understanding that it's very clear you could die, and it's mostly likely that they'll die. I mean, right. it is and, likely, and amongst all of this comedy there's that conversation like you mentioned just sitting around the table these are the misfits having the conversation about what does it mean to be a life right right great crow explains like yeah he is both dead and alive right from what perspective you know that is this is the most philosophical conversation that's that comes out of the whole of dawn of x and we've only really explored it in Hellions, Hellions yeah. it's this one and what happened with Madeline Pryor. Right. What does it mean to be alive, to be a clone of somebody? And it's just why, like, this is the team exploring that concept, and it's yep. hilarious. Yeah, also, of note, uh, this is the best Otherworld book starring Psylocke that doesn't, that doesn't star Psylocke. It's very confusing. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our next book, which is New Mutants number 13. Very much a uh, cypher-heavy issue. It is uh, about how he gets his sword, which is Warlock. He even has a brief encounter with Exodus where he gets called out that although he feels 
like he is being called to go fight, uh, we never think of this character, Cypher, as a big uh, battle-ready hero. He's never been portrayed that way. Um, and Exodus calls him out, and it kind of comes on the Warlock and Krakoa, two of his best friends and pals that we've seen throughout the comics uh, since Don of X, uh, to kind of defend him. So Warlock makes a sword for Cypher, and magic helps train him. Uh, he improves after overcoming some self-doubt. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, magic makes it pretty clear that his odds are pretty small. So that's kind of how the issue wraps up. Hopefully this character makes it through, but he's probably looking out of the five we have or whatever at the um, getting ready to go fight the tournament. He is easily the weakest of the X-Men side. Well, and Krakoa doesn't want him to go either. Krakoa wants him to find a loophole. Yeah. Basically, nobody wants him to go. He is yeah. a clear he's a clear weak link. The Exodus doesn't want him to go because he's a liability. The island doesn't want him to go because Krakoa won't have a voice. Everyone realizes this is a terrible idea, and they're kind of being hamstrung as a team. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they are over the, the thing is they are of the assumption that his opposite in Morocco is just going to be a murder machine like everything else they seem to have. Yeah, but he's got a Tark Nark. Tark Nark. He, do, he does have a Tark hey, Nark. Here's one thing. Here's my criticism, or at least I guess can't be a criticism. It's just we were playing fools again when we saw that cover. Like, oh, maybe he's going to be the traitor. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, would... oh no, it's just a, it's just day trained, but not a traitor. Didn't... But they didn't lie to us. No, I don't mind I, that. I, I, we assumed. We made an assumption. We were incorrect on that assumption. That was, yeah, now, that I was, guess we know that we're incorrect on the assumption, but that as a clue is not accurate. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. We were just jumping at trying to find maybe places it'd go. Yeah, something to talk about. And I think I think as a cover, it's still a very interesting cover the way that it it's, is. it's I like the art. I love the art yeah. on this issue. And, you know, it got us talking. So I would say the cover, especially as a reveal, certainly did its job. And not always true about covers. It fits the issue. It, it is about what is contained inside, which is oftentimes not a the very rare occurrence. Right. Yeah. But I thought this is a really good issue. It didn't. It was sort of the reverse of Hellions, that there's a little bit of funny in it at times, but it's mostly pretty heavy with. Doug having to weigh, you know, bravery and purpose versus the pragmatism of him not being a fighter. And then Krakoa was such an interesting piece of it that the island sort of feels like it can't have independence if it doesn't have Doug, even to the point that like it forced itself into Mondo to confront Doug about it because he's not listening. Yeah. So you could have a literal speaker in front of him. But yeah, I, I think it's all um, super interesting. I think uh, where Kakoa could go as a result of this, if if in fact this turns out to be lethal, uh, could be a thing. Because I'll say this, when you talk about covers and what they reveal, the final issue does not show Cypher on the cover fighting in that fight. Let me, let me uh, ask you guys this about Cypher and the tournament and everything. Because he clearly seems like the oddball of the people here. And we don't know to what extent this tournament truly is like prophecy destined by the stars or if Saturnine has, I mean, she's clearly playing a hand in it that she's pushing things sort of in a direction she wants them to go. Do you think there's something 
about Doug being in this tournament that's sort of preordained by Saturnine for a purpose? Well, I don't I don't know that's preordained by her, but I think she absorbed a dying star to get the pre precognition that this was going to happen. Yeah, but she's she clearly has a hand on the scales. You know what I mean? She forced the parties sort of to agree to this situation. She has certainly been manipulating things to make sure they work out, whether in the direction of fate or in her own self-interest. And so that's why I think, I I think we're walking a slippery line here between like destiny and time travel and stuff like what maybe she was destined to do this and she doesn't have a hand in it because no, it's what was she, going to happen. She's also she is the interpreter of it, too. I think I, I think there's a certain amount of like preordained in the, the stars sort of thing. But I think she also, like I said, has a thumb on the scale. Well, we've read about her in Excalibur, so clearly we have a very clear idea of what her motives are <laughs> and, and her characterization. So yeah. you would know. You that was know. hurtful. That was hurtful. <laughs> not coming at you personally, but no, you know no, who no, is no. coming at you? Not hurtful to me, hurtful to that book. Yeah. You know who is coming at you? Magic, man. This is a good This is a good Exodus week, proportionally, and this is another solid Magic week. You know what book she's in? Cable number five. Cable and his parents, Scott Summers and Jean Grey, explore the eerily empty sword station, The Peak, in what feels like a sci-fi horror thriller genre. Ooh, yeah. The the boys discover a sealed lab while Jean finds one of the last survivors who reveals the horrors of the virus-like alien race called the Vescora that tore through the station before airlocking himself into space. Jean's too late to warn her family, though, forcing them to hold off wave after wave of interdimensional intruders as Cable races to withdraw the light of Galador and power off the station. When they return to Krakoa, Cable and his sword take their spot on the summoning circle, while Cyclops and Magic continue their coded captain-to-captain conversation, clearly hatching some kind of mysterious otherworld plan. Yeah, so this issue, one, uh, just talking about it, let's not get into like the logistics until later of like what's set up and stuff but like do you guys get like alien proper vibes like even from the color palettes and uh you find yes. this object uh, it's yes. a space station no 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 i'm giving you the exact movie this is almost a takeoff uh, of pa- oh what uh, is it parabellum para no no older than that sam neil lawrence fishburne event horizon crew goes to a ship that is that just shows up they go over and power it on they shouldn't have powered on because it turns out it was a warp drive that actually just opens a black hole that basically leads to what they're calling hell and they literally find a guy who has plucked out his own eyes because Uh and he quotes you don't need them where you're going i mean i mean it is it is almost taken from that that's a door to hell and there's just evil on the other side of this thing and because the ship is on that's what's letting them through uh dane did you like getting to see uh gene unleash her lover on these uh enemies oh yeah i think it was just overall a great issue um not having seen event horizon it to me it just played into so many of the classic tropes of an alien sci-fi horror you know what i mean i think there's been yeah. more stories than just event horizon where the idea is an abandoned space station yeah. Oh, yeah and so in that sense it was 
a very good self-contained episode that has sort of a one-off genre bending feel to it. And so if it's not your cup of tea, it's only one issue of this style, but I really enjoyed it. It was a nice change of pace and it, it seems a little odd to introduce another element like the Vescora given where we're at right now. Like, isn't there enough going on for to keep track of? I, I think they're just introducing it because aren't they doing a sword comic and Cable's going to be in it? Yeah. I, I believe so. But I, I have to say. I mean, it, 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 they're going to come back to that. This was just, this is what Cable did. Now he's going to go put his sword yeah. in there and then, then we'll do more Ten of Swords. But now in the back of your head, you're going, oh, when they go start that station back up, now they're going to have it's a like problem. A, it's like the X-Men, the, the title book. And that it's introducing another string that obviously we know we're getting a sword team. So that's probably going to be their storyline. But I, I mean, overall, just I thought a really good, unique issue. Yeah, I think it was fun. It worked in the context of like at this one. I feel like if it's just a random issue, I think it'll still be fine, like in a cable collection. Yeah, it's in not a lot really. Of ways. Yeah, it's not really necessary to Ten of Swords because like Kelsey said, Cable just does something, and then the end of it, he shows up at, that at circle, the summoning circle, which, you know, there's a little bit there at the end that's important that we can talk about that, too, the sort of Captain Code Word thing going on. But Well, let, let's do transition into that okay. kind of conversation of how this fits into Tennis Swords proper. And before we get into, like, the Code Word, because I, I want to talk about that, but what was the point of our whole sword storyline? This took up pages in the genesis issue it took up a whole ish a whole chapter going to the space station i mean it, you get vibes that they just left the space station and it's over yeah what do you guys think is this going to play a role later on i don't think this this specifically the station is not going to play a role i think the way you should look at these first issues up to stasis i think will be these are like the introductions yeah, to everything. Up this the is board. what everyone's it's the pieces on the chessboard. Stasis is going to happen. That's going to be your your middle ground, and then they're going to start getting into it more. You know, after that, you know, because you got twenty two issues to, to go through. It's a, it's a big arc. Was so. the whole reason of not of having the space station and Genesis just to get Cyclops off the board so that they don't have a reason for him to be around? No, no, no. I think this is a this is a setup no. for the Sword comic that we know is coming. I don't think, yeah, but like, why take up Genesis pages with this space station? What do you mean, like Ten of Swords? Stuff? Because there's, yeah, like I'm just saying, they went. Like, it, it seems so weird to have the vision which Saturnine gave them of an item here that they were supposed to plug the sword into for it not to play a bigger role. Because remember, they're like, oh, I've seen that before on the sword station. So Cyclops takes them there. Like it is destiny that Saturnine told them to go up here. That's true, and maybe maybe that gate leads into more Saturnine stuff. The Saturnine stuff may not kick off until after Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords may happen, then you see Saturnine's plan. It's going to involve something with that big old gate. I, I am I inclined know. to think Kelsey is right. I think the I think the Peace yeah. Station storyline is done for now. Like th- this book read far more like X Men the that title than it did Cable. Because it was a Summers family adventure, which, by the way, for the first time, actually felt like it worked as a family dynamic for me. And maybe that's just because it's a different book. But 
it's a summer's family adventure. And I think it's set up a new line that we're going to get to. And maybe it ties in or crosses over Saturday night. And you're right. Maybe it's just a, a semi lazy attempt to shove more light of Galador in to get it to a, you know, feel like a sword storyline. Uh, no, it's not named the light of Galador anymore, but it, it, the light of Krakoa, but I don't know. I just, I kind of see this as sort of a standalone issue that we'll come back to and resolve later. I don't think it's going to wind up having too much of an impact on 10 of swords, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is like the most important key piece. I, I don't know. It, it's definitely a sword. Like the organiz- It seems weird for the organization's sword and to this be involved in ten not, of swords. Yeah, to not like why bring it in there unless we're just like more swords. Every sword in Marvel history. Um, you know what I also? You know what I really liked about this this issue exactly. too? I really enjoyed the ending. I'm, oh, hey Doug, I didn't know you did sword play. I don't. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Everything's been great. Yeah, this I will say this about about this week. I know we're kind of we need to get back to the sort of the captain conversation, but this this week oh, yeah. felt super tight. You know what I mean? That everything transitioned and crossed over from the multiple mentions of the clear like code word conversation between Cyclops and Magic. That the the Hellion sort of suicide mission gets brought up and mentioned to cipher self-doubt like yeah the cipher self-doubt that i mean this feels like what we should be getting on a week-to-week basis from a you know a multi-billion dollar company like disney and marvel right that these should be tightly interwoven and edited to the point where this that makes them feel like they're happening at the same time whereas instead so many times we've commented on it when it's like Oh, is this when Kate's alive or dead? I'm not sure. Well, and-, and I'm glad you brought that up because we were concerned whenever like they did the COVID reshuffling and expanding of the yeah. comics. It was like, wow, these these still feel really tight. And I got to say this week kind of felt like what I hoped Dawn of X was at the beginning. Yeah, it, it feels it- like somebody got all three of these issues as an editor brought to them and said, here's a panel or two that we need to put in this one, a panel or two we need to put in this one, a panel or two to put in this one, just to weave them together and make this more of a a week of comics than it is three standalone issues that got released at the same time. And we, like I said, we've been critical before, so I think it's only fair to point out when it's done so, so well. Um, Kelsey, Dane, let's talk a little bit about the whisper and the codes. Any ideas on what that means? We don't have a, a you know, cereal box cipher like we do for the Cocoan language. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea. Honestly, the, the, I knew they, they had some code going on and it just it went over run. my head. It's true. Yeah. It could always rain. I'm like, I like, I, yeah, you're right. I don't know why you're saying that. I know it has some deeper meaning i'm sure so i think this is pretty generic so it's not like i'm going out on a limb and making some bold prediction here but it seems like cyclops is planning on having another team stationed in other world maybe as backup to the sword team in case things go poorly with the sword team or to do some kind of other mission of some kind to assist because he meant they mentioned that when he's talking with Gene at the end of this issue about 
they need transportation and they need communication. And Gene specifically mentions how difficult telepathic communication is in other world. So it, this plan is somehow centered around them being in other world. And we probably don't have enough clues as to why or what it is, but I just think there's going to be like a secret team there to cover whatever is going to go wrong. Yeah. Like your end game style portals right. open. Cause let's not forget one of magic's, key component powers is teleportation right so I, I get that that's not like exactly a bold claim it's sort of generic but that seems to be the direction that it's going they need a way to get into other world and they need a way to be able to stay in communication amongst the teams um can i say this i think cable last thought i have on the issue is i think cable's artwork is super consistent like, it, it kind of has a goofy style to a degree, which I enjoy. And his characterization on faces and stuff might be the strongest of the X-Men comics. Yeah, a lot of the close-up facial scenes, you can read a lot from the characters. Yeah. Just from that face. And it's... I don't know. You're right to say that it's it it's consistent. Because if I look at any given panel, it doesn't, like, blow me away any image, but it's just all always quality. It's I just got to say this. I think there's a pretty big chance that, uh, you know, cable might get an, an examy. Book. It's going to be tough. Hellions is Hellions brought some heat this week, but cable might get the exam. just put it out there. Front Ooh, runner. Examies. I had forgotten. <laughs> all right. Kelsey, any last thoughts on cable? No, um, honestly, the last two to three weeks, I've been very pleased with the comics that they have put out. And like Dane said, they're, they're tight. They're getting tighter as, as they do them. Like it just, it's, it's working really well. Even the Wolverines. I mean, it feels tight and like they all have to do with each other in some way or another. You, you feel like everything's happening at once, but they're, yeah. they're handling the time flow a lot better it feels like a coherent story all taking place at once but separate i i will say this the one thing about the timing that makes me interested and i'll, I'll pose this question to you guys how long are people standing on these circles in the, the something circle like every That's time some, question. like every time somebody joins it the whole team is there <laughs> you know what i mean is wolverine just sitting there for like two and a half days well, I think there might be I'm a certain wondering. amount where, like, it might be, like, five minutes between each book of them actually arriving. Well, but we know magic has come and left. Because we oh, see she, she's the first to arrive, and then she goes to train Doug on several separate instances. But every time one person comes to the circle, everybody that came is all, there, all there. So is it just, yeah. like, this is where... They have to just... They have to leave the sword there or something. Well, I guess magic it's doesn't. Like, she like this is where you isn't. live, and if you want to leave, you have to get clearance from Xavier first. Well, actually, Dane, it's one of those things where I actually don't know that that's true. What do you mean? I she shows up with them at the end, so I guess. Yeah, she is. I guess magic is clearly the first one to place her sword. Yeah, that's you're right. You're right. I so, forgot they walked together at the end. Um, but yeah, yeah, good point. Good I, point. I get that it's, it is visually, it's telling that part of the story, watching the circle complete. 
And so there's a part of me that's just like, okay, whatever. It's it's just a visual piece, and comics are a very visual medium to that. And that's your that, is that your line? Is that your yeah, comic I, line? I mean, yeah. Thing? So I mean, so this so this isn't <laughs> it. I, I'm willing to accept this, but it is just kind of funny to think that Wolverine went to hell to get his sword, and he's like, all right. And I probably should have made this take 48 hours longer because now I just get to sit here. Well, you know. All right, you guys ready to quit the talk and start walking the walk and go to the danger room? Let's do it. All right. Uh, We're going to play another round of Marvel 20 questions where our contestants have 20 yes or no guesses to try and figure out the person, place, thing, or idea from the Marvel Universe. Uh, Let the questioning begin. Is this a character? Yes. Is this character a man? Yes. Is this character a mutant? Uh, no. Is this character earthbound? Yes. Are they? That was confident, Kelsey. He didn't waver. He didn't give us a kind of take earthbound. Is this character a hero? No. Is this character a human? Mm, yes. Human-ish. Yeah. Does this character have powers? Yes. Is this character associated with the X-Men? Yes. Is this a character we have seen in the comics we have read since this podcast started? Yes. All right. So we have... This is a human-ish, non-hero, non-mutant, earthbound man in our comics. Is this character associated with a government? Yes. Was that going anywhere in particular, Kels? Well, yeah, you know me. I'm going for Alpha Flight every goddamn time. We're going with Alpha Flight eventually. <laughs> it's going to hit one of these days. Is the government this character associated with a government that exists in the real world? No. Fictional government. Has this character been featured in the MCU? No. Right. What what are we at? Like 10 questions? That was number 12. 12, okay. You had mentioned this person is not a hero. Would you call this person a villain? No. Not a hero, but not a villain. Been associated with the X-Men. Is this character he's been in the comics since we've been reading them. Do you mind if I steal one? Yeah, please do. If you've got this a character grown in a lab. No. No, uh, go for clone. Correct. Specifically it eliminates Phantom X. It does. 
it does eliminate Phantom X. So far, I think he kind of fit everything. Not a hero, not a villain. Yeah. Human-ish. Right. Running out of ideas. Let's focus um, on the government. Or, it's a fictional government the person's associated with. Fictional government that they've been dealing with. What fictional governments are there that they have had? Uh, um, you guys are going to kill yourself when you figure this one out. <laughs> Madripoor? Have we done much? Is Well, they, I mean, I'm trying to think of who they've had help Madripoor. They have, oh, yeah, Marauders. Uh, I, yeah, uh, it, it does. It does this character was this character associated with Madripoor? No. Okay. See, I want to ask if this character has been a part of a team, but we're at fifteen, and I don't think we have enough time to narrow that down. And unless you think it is Alpha Flight, Kelsey. <laughs> well, has, Alpha Flight hasn't really been in anything I, really, I, have they? I know. Um. Oh man. Non. Earthbound. So it's nothing space. It's nothing sword. Team related. Kelsey, I'm. I'm. Siamese. I'm flummoxed. I'm also. I also am flummoxed. Coming from somebody who listened to the episode last week and didn't get to participate. I remember shouting at my at my car while I was listening to it on the way to work. So I I'm aggravated knowing there's probably a listener that thinks we're an idiot. Probably. Who's left that's human? I mean that that's been they've been non hero, non villain. Are, are they associated with the CIA? Is that your question? Yes. Uh no. That's a real life government. Oh, yeah, you're right. I can give you that oh, one well. back. You already knew that. No, 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 that's my fault. That's that's part of the danger room. The gloves oh, come off, Quinn. Danger room. What government is this? I think we should have jumped on that more. It could be S.H.I.E.L.D. related. Are they their own government? No, but I mean, they're a government entity. Weapon X is a, is a government entity. Is the government entity with which they are in connected to Shield or Weapon X? I'll ask it that way. Yes. Okay. How many questions do we have left? We that was seventeen. So we have two and a guess. Do you want me to guess? Is the government entity Shield? No. Okay, so we have one question, and we know the government entity is Weapon X. <laughs> Who's who's been in Wep- who's from Weapon X that's been in the comics? Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's so much easier when you have the answer sitting in front of you, Quentin. Come on, Aaron Wright Adam. <laughs> so, all right, I'm thinking of like giant size. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> hey, does this, does this character is this character closely associated with Cable? Yes. Oh my god. No. <laughs> On the 20th question. <laughs> it took you 20 questions to get Deadpool. Oh. 
Not a good guy, not a bad guy. Yeah. Heavily not associated with Weapon X. Not been in the MCU proper. Has, so. has powers. Yeah. Not, not a CIA. Don't know if that really helps, but. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we did it. At least we're not going down like McGovern's. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> also a member of the Thunderbolts at a certain point, which is a government sanction. That's team, true. That's whenever true. he's on it. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty fantastic. Heavily associated with Cable. And I thought it has been in Dawn of X so far, uh, featured in one yeah. of the issues of Cable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also could have could have said, is he royalty? <laughs> and he would have had yes for that. Talk about characters who got screwed. Like, Captain Britain gets to go, but Deadpool's literally like the, one of the sword guys. Doesn't get don't, to do Ten of Swords. Don't, don't attack me with this. Don't bring up this, he should be in Ten of Swords. I'm not gonna lie. I associate Deadpool more with swords than I do Nightcrawler. It's not... I associate them both with swords. It's, it's not just the sword. I know I'm like soapboxing this again with Nightcrawler, which is probably getting tiresome but it's and that's not... all the time we got for this week's episode <laughs> it's not just the no, tennis swords no, no, no. it's a, if you told me a year ago there was going to be an excalibur book thanks for a, listening a, go a, ahead and smash that like and subscribe <laughs> like how hey, how i i get it i get I think it they Jubilee on the tennis swords team yeah uh, firework swords deep cut Power deep cut nerds joke well we could call her sword the roman candle <laughs> Yeah, love it. So here's <laughs> all right. Well, before we get out of here, I want to pose one question, to you guys. Maybe it's a, a for teaser it. for stuff going forward for the listeners. Do you think the final roster of ten mutants holds to the prophecy, or will there be a change? Holds to the prophecy. I think the ten are going to be in the tournament. Right now, the only sign that we have of a possible change is is Doug and their struggle, but. It could, I'll leave it open. It could be another another change. Just Although you can make the argument that Doug has two people, so how is that fair? What do you mean that? I think him and the, Warlock. I think at this point the Warlock is clearly considered the Blade. I don't know. He's walking around and stuff. But Warlock was even in the memo as like the Warlock Blade. To be fair to Warlock, I like how they are just assuming he is just an item. Right, that he'll go. Why not send him? Yeah, it's like Warlock's an item. He doesn't get a choice. Yeah, what do we know? Matt, magic voodoo. I don't know. I don't, you know, honestly, I, I don't know because I would have thought you'd, you'd pulled Cypher there. But it does put that bug in the back of your brain to think, oh, you know, maybe they will try and get someone to not be in it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, who else is supposed to be in it? Who else are we waiting on? Gorgon? Uh, Gorgon, Captain Britain. Both Captain Britons, technically, like Brian and oh, yeah. Psylocke. Which, by the you way, know, like, like there's things. also that mystery character who it looks like he's just bad artwork for Captain Britain, where he's got completely different costumes for some reason, even though they just gave him a new one on the cover of next week's Excalibur. I don't know. That's lot. well, and I think we'll learn a lot from Excalibur coming up because there is the the prophecy about the the siblings. So that I would think, if it is, we're going to get the two of them certainly in. What if, what if Apocalypse doesn't go? What if he dies? They do oh. mention that he's mortally wounded right now. Yeah. Um, also, this is the last issue of New Mutants until Ten of Swords is over. Oh, my. is it really? Yeah. No, here's, it doesn't bother me, and this is why. None of this is really its own standalone comic, except for Hellions, basically. 
which yeah. still takes part in the Ten of Swords arc. Yeah. But all the other ones, you know, anyone that has someone from that team going, it's basically just Ten of Swords. I mean, they've even given you the order to read these comics in because they're basically just Ten of Swords 1 through 22. But I think Excalibur is going to give the opportunity for two of the characters, which makes it a little more team friendly. I guess here's a question. What book does Gorgon get in on? Uh, stasis, I bet. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty much all the time we got. Brain got a poop. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> all right. Checking out. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.